really, we're going to be able to say about this, and, and she loses it, okay? And when she finds it, she goes crazy into this ecstasy of joy. And, and, and she says, you know, rejoice with me, rejoice with me, about the corn. It's like saying, you know, I want friendship. Let's go fighting people. Good luck. And, 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 and you know, it's like, And involve the entire universe. I gotta kind of think the major problem is that she's crazy. I'm not fighting, fighting, fighting. Because if you're getting so excited about losing and then finding this little thing, it, it's it's a little over the top, wouldn't you say? Now Jesus is pushing this here. And, and, and we're going to have to do some detective work to understand what's going on because there's a lot more here than meets our, I'll say it this way, Western eyes. There's more to it than just one coin. Now, I want you to notice, it says she had how many? Ten coins. That's a very specific number. Ten coins. She lost one of them, so they appear to be, as a result of that, Connected in some way. She had ten. Not a scattered ten, but ten. And of that ten, one of them gets lost. Now, I'll tell you straight up, if you're near the Middle East, even to this day, you'll know exactly what's going on. You've seen pictures of women in the Middle East, right? And they have a necklace that's either around their neck or across their forehead. And it will be a necklace of ten points. A, a necklace made out of either silver or gold. That's what this was talking about. So right away, we're not talking about one coin. It is one coin that is in a necklace. And so when the one coin goes, the whole necklace is really in jeopardy. It's, it's a part of the whole. So, so what is that necklace of ten coins that she wore? Well, it's kind of hard to actually say all of those things, but just for starters, it would be a wedding ring. It was given to her when she married her husband. So the first thing we would think of would be a wedding ring. And then it's more because it's, it's there's a, there's a lot more going on here. A better word to use in some cases would be a locket. It's a very important piece of jewelry that is that, that's given. Not, not just to show it off, but it was actually telling the woman the love that her husband had for her. And with a locket, there, there's, there's an act of remembrance. Now, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, that word remembrance, and I've shared it before, I've told it to you at some time, it's not just remembering the past. Remembrance in the Bible is bringing the past into the present. So, so when she would look at that necklace or that locket, everything about her husband and about their union together is brought into this moment. That changes things. I mean, this was the assurance that her husband was always with her. It was a declaration, you could say, of their love. It, it, it was the uh, announcement to everybody who saw it that she belonged to her husband. Okay. Now, in, in, in all honesty, it declared a covenant that had taken place between her and her husband. Remember, and, and matter of fact, from the Garden of Eden, you remember what was stated back then? These two shall become one flesh union. It, it's mathematics of covenant. If you've never done that before, it's one plus one equals one, exactly. And around her forehead, 
cause of that is that she really has lost it. The marriage is in So, I say, Jesus says that she goes to the whole house, breaks all the tables, all the lights, sweeps the floor, turns the whole place upside down. She's going crazy. And not only because she repents, but overall, at this point, is connected and what the message tells us. Listen, he's turning our attention to marriage in the context of something or someone being lost. And that lost, say it with me again, lost, is a such consciousness. That's what the chief is all about. That I've lost my chief, and, and the chief with pressure, so it, it's worth going to find the father and his son. And, and the, I, I hope you see what I'm saying here. Here he says, in the context of marriage, he's speaking of that which has gone lost. Gone lost. Have you ever, ever really thought about why we get married? I mean, do you ever see two couples teams running down the aisle to get pushed? Oh. Oh, now, there's a lot I could go into right there, but I'm going to save that for another time. But have you ever noticed, and, and it's one of the basis for marriage in, in that sense, and, and, and God's creation, the way God is, marriage reflects God's at this point. But have you ever noticed that there is this human desire in us to get together? Right? I mean, from sitting down for coffee to going out for dinner, it's, it's get together, get together, get together, get together. There's something in us humans that is craving to come together, and, and it's not just a chance happen. It's because we are made in the image of God, who is His very, who in His very being is a circle of self-giving love himself. Giving away, giving away. Think of your neighbor. Take a look at that. That name, and you didn't tell me. That's right. You already know what they look like? I don't care what they look like. Go ahead and turn and look at them. Mm, that's something you haven't bothered to do all day, have you? Then you just don't. So yeah, add to what I, I just said about the point. If one knows the point or the symbol that we're made in the image of God, it takes it infinitely beyond this first time. If I look at you knowing you are made in the image of God, it takes you infinitely beyond the human being. a relationship, in essence. A relationship to God, a relationship with another human being, the receiving of another human being, and, and, and to display that, honor that before this town. Well, let me go into a little bit more explaining because I'm setting some stuff up. The houses in Galilee in those days were very small. They weren't very big at all. And they're mostly made with and of stone and mud. And, and, and again, the floors were, were just dirt floors. They're stamped dirt floors, but they, they put straw on top of the dirt. And you know what's interesting about dirt floors and, and straw on top is that all kinds of creatures can find a home in that home. From insects to spiders to mice if they're snakes. Didn't think about that one. But what I do, what I want you to get the picture. These were almost, I would call them mud huts. They weren't, but they're close. They didn't have bedrooms. I mean, you're talking about just one big room. But over in the end room, or over in the corner, I should say, of the room, uh, there was one end of the room that would be raised. And that's where they slept. So when you, so, but in the summer, you sleep on the roof, or maybe out in the backyard. 
the kitchen was always outside. You had a fire where you cook. Also outside is where they caught the rain that came down, so they had their drinking water and, and cooking water. And in the summer, you had a tent on the roof. That was called your upper roof, okay? The houses were very, very dark. Yet you had windows, but they were clear up at the top. And, and, and when I say the top, the top of the wall. And, and, and they were very small, and they were used as covers to keep the heat out in the summer and, and, and the cold out in the winter. Now, in the back there was, of that, of that room, was, was a room at the back where they kept an animal in the house. You think of an animal cat. No, they kept a cow, maybe a sheep. I mean, something very foreign to us that you would share your house with your goat. Well, what I'm trying to say here is if you break your necklace and one little tiny point is gone, who in the world knows where it went? I mean, if you knew where it fell, it wouldn't be lost, right? And she suddenly realizes the necklace is just hanging there, suffering all over the sky. She has lost a vital part of this assembly of marriage. What's she going to do? When the place is dark, she's right She's going to clean out all the squalls. She, she, she gets a broom and sweeps her hard back and forth. And, and, and let's just begin to say, she's going crazy. The panic button's been hit. And then her stomach is falling. It's been her stick. She's searching everywhere. Hear me carefully here. Hear me very carefully. When the coin fell, Wherever it fell, it didn't cease to be a coin. And it had the exact same value as when it was in the necklace, and it still held all the symbolic meaning that was attached to it. I'll say it loud and clear. The only thing that was different is that it was seriously misplaced. By this time, it's probably covered in, in, in dirt and, and whatever else lies there. You know, probably nothing exciting. And the mice are just lounging around. So, what I'm saying is, it's the most precious thing in the world's presence. Okay? I hope you understand what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. What is the meaning of sin? Simply the condition of separation. Separation. She goes out into that darkness. And yes, she slept. She had to sleep up, but then she takes her hand and puts her hand on. It again. She had to put her hand there into that darkness. She goes into the darkness to find that which belongs to her. The nature hasn't changed. The nature has not changed. It is still a woman. And it belongs to her. So even though she's lost this, it doesn't mean that she's lost the right to have hers. She wasn't searching to see if she could see the coin. Oh, there it is. Okay, yeah, it's over there. I know it's that. Now, understand, she is going in. Until the necklace is back in place. 
activity is now in a place where it absolutely does belong. It was not It was not selected and chosen to be here. Listen, it has meaning that is of vast importance that's bestowed on it that has nothing to do with the darkness of the time of present. Does that make sense? It does also, I'm pretty pushing. I know I'm going to be Spanish, but the point now if it's wrong, it's exactly what it is. It doesn't even know it's going to die, and it doesn't know it's going to symbolize. It's going to have to try and find its own meaning that conforms to the darkness, that it that conforms to the darkness that it itself in. In other words, it's got to find the meaning that fits in with the spiders and the mice and the straw. It's, it's a dangerous, miserable place because it might not be found anymore. Lost. Say it again, one more time. One more time. Lost. It's missed from where it's supposed to be. All these parables talked about lost, lost, lost. Understand something. When you say lost, you're saying something of extreme value. Precious. Something of extreme value. When you say lost, because you don't lose something that is Things go missing, right? But you don't call them lost. There is certain preciousness attached to the item before you say it's lost. It's where the urgency comes from. Like, like for example, when a child goes missing, and the whole town comes out to find them. You hear what I'm talking about? I mean, uh, let me just say this. I put it in this form. The nature of the search will reflect the preciousness and the value that's on that which is lost. If I have a cheap gift there, and I misplace it, I'm not going to spend my hand to try back and find another cheap gift to spend. Now, if I got a hundred and fifty dollars for it, but it's duplicated and sold seven places, and it is lost. You understand? What I'm saying here is she hasn't changed, this lady of our guest hasn't changed her attitude toward the coin. Disconnected from its owner, and this father here is crazy. And the only thing about the coin, well, the coin has lost its voice. It, it has stood there, you know, on, on, on her forehead and, and, and proclaimed to everybody around that this woman's identity and her her, her, her relationship to her to her husband. The voice is now dead, and wherever it is. In, in this darkness, it, it, the only thing you can talk about is just confusion. You can only say, I'm here in the darkness, make the word worthless. I think every one of these parables in Luke 15 has something to say that's, that's different to the other one. So if this coin has one thing to say, it's that the coin was utterly helpless to find itself. The coin cannot save itself. We cannot save ourselves. 
even if we knew we needed Savior. See, here's the problem. We're so lost, we don't even know we're lost. That's what the point is trying to tell us. That means the speaker of this parable is at the center stage. The quality has absolutely nothing to do with this. I mean, the whole thing is, is on the shoulders of the speaker, on, 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 on that finder, if you will. I mean, here she is. She's in the darkness. She's down in the dirt. And, and if you were that coin, it's like you're looking up and you're seeing a great man that comes down and, and out of the darkness. Well, really, it, it's interesting. I, I find it interesting. You know, I'm, I'm lying there. Say this, excuse me, I don't, I don't mean to criticize, I'm not trying to criticize, but I think we need to be low class. Because I think we have a very small idea of who Jesus is. He is the source of all things. 
he, as creator, has a dynamic relationship with every creature. If, if he made them, that same word, I mean, take, take a look, if you will, right there at, at Hebrews 1 3. It says, who being in the brightness of his glory and expressed image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. By the word of his it also says in that very next verse, if you will, that in him all things consist. It's, it's, it, he is before all things, and in him, what? Look, what I'm trying to say is, unless Jesus, it means you, in all honesty, would not be sitting here, unless Jesus was helping or holding the atoms of your body together. Before you ever knew the name of Jesus, he's been holding you together. Jesus Christ, that inside of Him and Him inside of us, we would actually participate in God, actually taste, touch, and receive that self-giving love that God is, actually know His life to be our life. Know his life to be our life. He didn't just come to actually meant his life to be our life. Love created He doesn't want you to know anything about the family, about the whole trinity, about about who he is, who God is, and who God is in you, and you again, and all together, and the power of the Holy Spirit and the light in mm, more abundantly, life more abundantly. Ha, ha, ha. You don't say what? Yeah. You don't say what? That you're in a covenant that one plus one equals one. That's you. And, and friends, one with Christ, that, 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 that his life would become your life, would become his life. This, friend, is gospel. The, the, the why behind you being you. The meaning. If I can say from the very beginning, look, when man made that, that crazy choice back in the garden, he didn't stop being who he was. You were created with a human nature, and that nature in us is to be united with Christ. The point shouts to the universe, you belong. And when man fell into darkness, he didn't suddenly turn into something else. He's blinded by the darkness. I don't, I don't know where I am. Right? I don't know where I'm going. I'm in that place of, of darkness and, and spiders and dirt. 
have to make up my needs. That's what I have to do. I have to make up my needs. I know there's a God somewhere, so I, I make up a God that only reflects my own brokenness. So he's a God who really doesn't care about me. He punishes me because that's how I feel about myself. We're like the coin out of service. We haven't let our value, I mean, we haven't lost our values. We're still stamped with the image of God. Now, that might be covered in muck, right? But we are who we are. And I can't do a thing to save myself. That I'm not sure that I even need to. Because I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing a good job here in my imagination of what's going on. If I'm going to be saved, then, it will be 100% the finder who comes into the darkness. Listen, he didn't, and he doesn't, and he won't dance. He loves us. He loves the point as much as the Father loves he loves the coin, and he loves us even when we're in the depth of darkness. He doesn't us off. We belong to him. And it was always the plan that Christ should come and join himself. Join us to him. That he would take this brokenness, this darkness, this demented precious us, and join himself and become not a human being before the fall, but he would join us in the darkness. He, he would hear the lies of the saints. He would hear every temptation you've ever had. He would know your flesh saying, I want this. I want it. He came exactly where we are. But when he came, he never ceased being part of the circle of self-giving love. He never ceased to be God, which means the Holy Trinity has now come into our One with us, with the Father. I hope you understand when I say he didn't do something about it. He joined every part of it. Came, and he tasted and he felt and refused to divide that apart. God became us at our worst, but chose to be who. He really is. He came where we were. He became the lost coin. The lost coin. So it's where we are. Let me give you a little example. Let me give you a little illustration. Let's say you have a good Jesus. You like your Jesus best. You have to. You don't have the love of joy. Regiment of ridiculousness. Then this doctor, this other doctor, comes. He doesn't bring a treatment, he doesn't bring a regiment, no meds, no advice. This, this doctor, beyond our comprehension, that absolute bad insanity, became sick with your sickness taking it out of you into himself in you because he is the unbegun life as he took your sickness. He healed you. And he not only took your sickness, but you become, but he became your help. Because as long as he's there, it, you're alive. You're healthy. So, you, or should I say, he, or, okay, maybe I'll say you, not me, 
But you get up out of bed and you begin to dance all over the hospital because you were not alive. Healed of the sickness, but alive with his life. If you left you, you become permanent. Because he didn't do something for you. He was what he did. He was what he did. He didn't do something for He was what he did. That's the gospel. He comes into you. And he is in, and he is the Savior, and brings into you everything that he's accomplished on the cross. And he says, you are with me. When I died, you died. You were co-crucified. You were co-buried. I took you to death, and that broken, twisted you will never rise again. But you, cleansed and alive with my life, let's get out of here. And you were born again when Jesus rose from the dead. You can look it up in 1 Peter 1, 3. He ascended or walked into the heavenlies, which is the conscious face of the Holy Trinity. And he carried you with him because you were one with him. You were accepted by the Father and the Holy Spirit helped you. He heals you from The gospel is what happened, is what, what happened to the Son of God. But then the gospel is what happened to you. Because of what happened to the Son of God. Okay. I'm going to write that in front of you like this. The woman was not trying to just work her thing. She was only satisfied to restore the point to where it was supposed to be in the first place. Do you get that? She wasn't trying to locate the coin. The only way she was going to be satisfied was to restore the coin to where it was supposed to be in the first place. Listen to me carefully. Jesus comes to restore us to what was intended from the very beginning. And he does. And he doesn't know. He doesn't do it. It's not something he does, it's who he is. He doesn't bring it to you. He is it. He brings himself. It's who he is. And he joins you. And what does it say? There is joy in the presence of angels, of God, over one sinner who, and I really don't like that.
that's what it means. It, it, it literally is it's talking about a radical change of mind. You know, a radical change of mind because you see what you didn't see before. It makes sense. And, and I'm coming back to this because it, it, in one sense to explain it, it's an exchange of mind. You exchange your mind for his mind. I have the mind of Christ, Paul says. That seems weird. But it's not when he who is is living in you who is, and you who is is living in me who is. All of a sudden, there's so much change. Jesus said, there's joy in heaven and the righteous God. Thank you for the Lord. Thank you for 
speaking the Lord's hearts and minds to us. We thank you that as we come to you, with your word, you also come to us as others. Holy Spirit, in this house here, this is the day things are going to change. It stirs something up in you. Stirs something up in minds and hearts and hearts. And I pray that there will be a response, a response Lord, maybe it's somebody who's watching this morning. May there be a radical change in our hearts. Holy Spirit, open your eyes and hearts. Give to us your word.
singing it, if you want to find a place to pray around these altars, I want to encourage you to right now just step out from where you are. To spend some time with Him, to be restored by Him, to allow Him to do what only He can do. He doesn't do it, He becomes it right here, right now. So as you're singing, let's find that place to pray together. If you said yes to His grace this morning, I invite you to find that place of privileges as well. Sing it again. Amazing grace, how sweet the Dullness is in receiving as the dullness will be in receiving. You know, do something this morning. I want to tell you something. I don't care either.